But we just thank you, God, again, that you're in your word. Lord Jesus, you are not separate from your word. There is not Jesus in heaven, and then Jesus in our hearts, and then Jesus of the word. You are one. When we read your word, we are spending time with you. When we speak your word, I thank you, Jesus. You are speaking it to our hearts directly from your mouth to our hearts. So we just give you glory and praise that as we get into your word, Lord, I thank you. Your word says you came to give us life and life abundantly. So, Lord, we are, we are thanking you in advance for the life that we're about to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> amen. So I spent about six weeks, uh, well, exactly six, six weeks, not about, uh, with a series that I feel like the Lord put on our hearts to begin 2022, which was in his strength that this year would be a time we would have to rely on his strength. Amen. Who knows that that is more true today than it was when we began the year. I don't know what's going to happen in history. I don't know where we're going uh, in the timeline. But I do know this. The Lord God is God, isn't he? I know that he wins. Amen. My Bible says... That even though the devil tries over and over and over again to destroy this earth and to destroy his people, he loses. My Bible says that one day, even hell itself, even death itself is thrown into the lake of fire along with Satan who tried to deceive the world. That's what my word says. Does your word say the same? So I don't know where we are. I don't know what's about to happen, but I want to encourage you firstly with this. There is nothing to be afraid of. We have no fear because we need to understand something. Your homeland is not America. I love America. I will die for this nation. I've told you that before, and I still say that today. If we must bleed for this land, this is where God has placed us. That's our responsibility. The Bible says pray for your city and you will have peace. There is an obligation to stand with the place that God has put you. If our ideals as a nation begin to drift away from God, my ultimate homeland is going to always be heaven. If the land itself is taken by another nation, my homeland is still secure because it's in heaven. Amen. Do we understand this? I just want to encourage us with that today. My Bible says in Revelation that one day, Multiple things will happen to the earth that wipe out a third, you know, at least two times from what I can read. It's obviously there's some, it's cryptic when we read Revelation, right? There's some things we don't understand, but it appears that a third of the earth dies, it looks like twice. So we know that there are things coming on this earth. Do not be surprised that we're talking of war right now. Does that mean it's the end? No, it does not. But it could be. Do you understand that? It could be. What we're going to focus on is this. It doesn't matter what time it is in history. Paul and Peter and John and even Jesus himself told us to focus on his coming, to focus on Jesus, to focus on his return. Because, see, things have always happened. There's always been pitting and playing on the earth. And I want to look a little bit into it today. I don't want to go too crazy 
But I want to show you that kingdoms have been trying to rise up. The devil's been trying to raise up his kingdom on this earth since the earth began. And really, you can look at that right with Adam and Eve. We're not going to even turn to the text because I have plenty of text here. But just quickly, right, he came and they were kicked out of their place of ownership and the place really that God had set them to rule, right? They were given dominion and Satan tried to take their dominion. Do you know what a dominion is? That is a, right, that is a kingly thing. The kingdom of God had granted uh, his kingdom onto the earth for Adam and Eve to rule, and obviously their descendants. Jesus Christ ultimately already conquered Satan on the cross, didn't he? But the enemy right there in the garden and has continued all the way through Revelation. Finally, he will be thrown into the lake of fire. But during that process from Genesis to Revelation, he tries to raise up kingdoms. I'm going to call them little K kingdoms. Right, because they don't, they don't compare to the big K kingdom, right? The big J. Jesus Christ is king of kings, right? He's king of kings. I want you to say that out loud. He is king, that's capital K, right? Of little K, kings, right? He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. So there are many, you know, you can actually, you can purchase one square foot of land in Ireland, prove some Irish descent, and you can purchase one square foot huh, of Scotland, and you can become a lord legally. Did you know that? The boys, my boys have been telling me about this, and it's really funny. It'd be something fun to do. But you can become a lord. But he is the lord of lords, right? You may be a lord on the earth, and even the devil seems to be a lord, seems to lord it over, right? We have a term, lord it over the people. That means to rule over people. He appears that he can move his pieces around as he wishes sometimes, and evil seems to win, seems to be winning. But the Bible says that I serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. I want to transition from this six weeks of in his strength into David. Who knows David? God just can't get enough of David. God talks about this guy all the way through... <laughs> all the way through into the New Testament, Jesus comes from his seed, and uh, the Bible says he was a man after his own heart, and the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 4, it says, 1 Samuel 17, verse 4, then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. And he was over nine feet tall. Verse 10 says, Goliath said to Israel, he said, I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. The Bible says that Goliath came out of the Philistine ranks and he said, I defy God and get put a man who will stand against me. I defy your Lord who is willing to stand against me. Verse 11 says, when Saul, everybody say Saul. I want you to remember that name. He is significant here to the story, even though we're talking about David. 
Saul was the king of Israel. David is a nobody. We're going to look into this at least this week, but it looks like next week and possibly beyond. Saul was the king of Israel, and he, the king, and the Israelites heard this. Everybody say they heard the enemies taunt. And they were terrified and deeply shaken. The Bible says even the king. Now, I'm going to get into this, but Saul had no reason to fear this enemy. And we're going to look at why he feared and the big problem. Everybody say there was a big problem. Goliath wasn't just a tall guy. He was a big problem. The Bible says that for 40 days, verse 16, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted. You know where that word strutted comes from? Comes from the animal kingdom. When a turkey, for instance, wants to show his stuff to those little hens, and he's going to show her that all these other turkeys don't compare to me. So they do what's called a strut. We just saw, we literally saw one on the way here. There was one right up the road. And what they do is, have you ever seen a turkey uh, that's not strutting? They look very similar to a hen, just a little bit bigger. But what he begins to do is he begins to fill between his flesh and his feathers with hot air. And they become double their size. And then they put their wings down and they go like this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Put their chest out. Look at me. The Bible, the NLT uses that word strutted here, which I think is the perfect word for what he did. He began to strut. He was filled with hot air. He made himself look bigger than he really was. Wow. See, he was tall. But he wasn't as big as he thinks he is. Wow. He looked big to your naked eye, but he wasn't as big as he thought he was. My Bible says in, uh, <laughs> and it, it, it would take an entire study to understand this, but my Bible says that Satan thought that he was as great as God. But Jesus said, I saw him fall to the earth like lightning. See, the enemy is strutting. He's even strutting in the earth right now. Might be strutting in your life, trying to rule, trying to terrorize, trying to defy God who is Lord over your life. But this is what the Bible says in verse 26. The Bible says there was a man named David. Everybody say David. He said, he said in response to the strutting and the taunting, who is this pagan Philistine? Who is this? Who thinks they have the right to say a word 
against my God and his people. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed? Isn't that interesting? Why is he allowed to defy the armies of the living God? In verse 45, it says, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with weapons of the earth. You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. You come to me with things in your own strength. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defied. You come to me as a man. I come to you representing God. And today, verse 46, wow, wow. I'm going to read something again. One more time. We're going to read this several times between today and next week, at least. I want you to hear this one more time. It says... In verse 10, verse 11, Saul and the Israelites heard Goliath. They just heard him speak. He did nothing. He didn't even do anything. They just heard him. And they looked at him, and they were terrified and deeply shaken. David, who is 16, if I'm not mistaken... Right, Dan? He's 16, right? Yeah. Uh, I have a 16-year-old right here. This little guy right here. Now, he's a big guy when he was little. But he's a little guy next to a 9-foot-9 guy. My Bible says that he was 6 cubits, so depending on how you gauge it, they say a cubit was about the span of a doorway. Now, we've always calculated that as 18 inches, right? Everybody knows, like a cubit, if you know Bible, you know, if you know the Bible, we always say 18 inches. And then I was digging deeper, and they said, well, you know, a cubit was also the, the span of a doorway. I mean, the average doorway is, I mean, even a smaller doorway is like 28, 30 inches, times six. Anywhere, somewhere between, some people say he was only six feet tall. I mean, whatever. But he looks like he was probably at least nine feet tall and possibly even taller than we realize. But David, this 16-year-old, he knows his God. And he said, verse 46, today. He said, I've heard just about enough out of your mouth. I'm tired of your yapping. I don't know why you've been allowed to strut around here for 40 days and no one has stood up to you. I'm not going to stand up to you because who am I? But the Lord, the Lord whom I represent will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then... I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here 
will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with things of this earth, not in an earthly way, not in a way that you'll understand or the people here will even understand. It won't make sense what's about to happen. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Wow. Do you guys believe your word? You know, I actually had, I actually compiled, I didn't know it would go on for six weeks, but when I wrote the series, In His Strength, what I did was I sat down and I compiled as much information because, see, the Bible is spirit and it's also information. If all I did was give you information, you would be bored. But the information still has life, whether you're bored or not. It's going to go into your system and it changes you, right? We've seen people that read the word academically. Some people aren't changed because they're just that stubborn. And some people, one day, they're like, wow, there's something to this. But the Spirit of the Lord anoints the information, and it becomes this supernatural life within us. Amen. So what I do sometimes is I'll compile as much information as I can, and I put it down in, in, a, in one folder in my iPad, and then I'll begin to break it apart into something that, like Jesus did, remember, they took the bread and the fish, and he broke it down so that they could consume it. He has to break down his word so that we can take bites of it, and we can eat it week by week, day by day, right? That's what we do when we understand him more and more and greater and greater. Well, anyway, David was in there, and I didn't even understand. I just had him in there. I was like, wow, he's such a picture of humility and someone who, who really trusted in God's strength. And now here we are. This is week seven, but we're really going into something new. I really believe that those six weeks built upon, built a, laid a foundation for where we're going to go now. Uh, David really, and Goliath, is a story of, ready for this? I want you to say this out loud with me. Faith verse, doubt. That's what David and Goliath is about. It's not about a big giant and a 16-year-old. It's not about a stone and slaying a giant. Do you understand? This is about faith and doubt. If you really boil the story down, it's not just, it's not about bravery. It's not. David was not brave. I mean, he was in a manly sense, but he had something greater than bravery. Did you know that there is a level that's higher than bravery? And it's that I trust God. That's greater than bravery. You know, who's ever watched a movie or read a story, the brave always die first? I'm not saying that they, we shouldn't have brave men. Thank God that there are men that are brave, but they always die first. There has to be a front line. But there is a greater level than bravery. And it may end up in death anyway. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I said, I've said this now recently. They said, we're willing to die. I believe the Lord's going to help us, but even if we die... I'm not brave. I know my God. In fact, I'm filled with fear. Actually, if you talk to really, you talk, the, the, the soldiers who tell incredible stories, you know what they say? If you don't have fear, you're going to die. 
Fear actually is what balances bravery out. You need to be afraid. Keeps you smart. I need to look at Goliath and be afraid in my natural man. I should look at what's going on in the earth and be afraid. Now, not permanently. Now, <laughs> now listen to me. Don't soundbite me on the internet. And I should take that fear to the Lord and say, Lord, my natural man is afraid, just like the rest of this army, just like King Saul. But my spirit man knows that you are God. And at the very moment of my greatest fears and my greatest weaknesses, I know that you are still God, and that is the moment that you can move the most, because I move to the side, and God moves into place to be God. Amen. It's really about will we trust God to do what he's promised, or will we doubt? Will we doubt because of what we see, because of what we hear, are we doubting because of what we think, because of what we feel? We feel certain ways, and then suddenly God is put on a shelf, and my feelings begin to rule. When we doubt, it tells God we don't trust him. I'm not condemning anyone for doubting the act of it, because we all doubt. We all get afraid, but it's what we do with it. Amen. We need to take our doubt to Jesus, just like the man who had some faith and some doubt did. You know what he did? He said, I, I believe, but I also have some doubt. Help me in my unbelief. Help me overcome the doubt that's arguing with my faith. David wasn't facing one giant man. He was facing a giant problem. The people of Israel had never truly dealt with this issue. If you don't deal with the devil or you don't fully remove the issues, they will keep coming back. You understand Goliath is not a new issue. We're not going to go into a six-week study in one sermon, but Goliath is not suddenly a giant out of nowhere. We're going to touch on it a little bit, but you could really, you could really open that up. We're not going to do that today. But the point is that he came back because he was allowed to come back. Something hadn't been dealt with, and so Goliath was on the scene. Even generationally, and the Lord's actually been speaking to me about this, we used to have a term in Christianity called generational curses. We don't say those words very much in Christianity anymore. But the Bible says that even this is God's words. God said when a parent would sin, depending on what it was, it could be through the fourth generation or beyond, the curse would continue. Now, we have the blood of Christ. Amen. We thank you, Lord, the blood of Christ covers it. But do you realize, as Christians, we had to break those things, didn't we? Who notices the traits and the issues of your lineage? No one's judging your parents and your grandparents. That's not what I'm here to do, but... There are traits that weren't godly that get passed through. And you had to break them. Who had to break the traits of your ancestors? Is anybody here? Or is it, was everybody just perfect instantly? <laughs> and those things 
can be and will be dealt with by the blood of Christ, by the power of Jesus within us. Amen. See, there was a place that God had promised his people. Say, there was a place that God had promised his people. And this was his promise. He said, in that place, I'm going to meet with you. There was a place where they could meet with God, worship him freely. He said, I want to be king, and you'll be my people. Anybody remember the history? Again, I'm talking like a huge Bible history here, but very quickly. But everybody on the same page, we all understand. This was all the way back. I mean, we're going way back to Abraham. I'm going to make a people out of you. And there was this big story in between. And uh, in that place, he gives you everything you need. So he gives me everything I need. Jesus continues that Jesus actually mirrors what the promised land was, was trying to give them. And he said, why are you worrying about anything? I look at the sparrow and I look at the flowers of the field. I'm taking care of you too, right? So there is a place in God where we worship him. He's God, right? Jesus is what? Who was Jesus? Jesus was God with us. It was the finality. It's finally the promised land. Coming to Christ is entering the promise. And in that place, we can worship him. He meets with us. We're his people. He's our God and everything we need. And it's truly a bountiful place to dwell. Well, here's what I want to say today. You ready? Who's ready for the bad news? I've got the good news. Who's got the good news? Anybody else got the good news? We got that good news, right? I got that good news of Jesus Christ. So when I tell you the bad news, don't become afraid. Take the good news and put it over top of the bad news. Amen. The cover is the good news. Within the story is some bad news, but the cover is the good news. Amen. It's like this. Don't be surprised that in the exact same place where God wants to bless you and give you freedom and meet with you is the very same place that the enemy will set up his lower kingdom in your life. It's the very same place because he doesn't want you to be free. He doesn't want you to have life, doesn't want you to have peace, doesn't want you to, be, to prosper. He's going to set up, he's going to try to set up his kingdom in the place where God is building his kingdom. He desires to occupy the space that God has designated for himself. Did you hear that? The devil desires to occupy the space that God has designated for himself. And that's exactly what happened. That's who Goliath is the result of. I want you to understand something. God loves Israel, and he loves the Jewish people. But I'm going to shock some people. Israel is not the promised land, and a Jew is not someone born Jewish. Did you know that? Again, I'm going to say it again, because I don't want to get chewed out. God loves Israel, and he loves the Jewish people. But my Bible says in Romans 2, a Jew is one who is inwardly changed. A Jew is who is one inwardly, who has circumcision of the heart and by the Spirit. And then if you look at Hebrews, it's very clear. 
it says in Hebrews leading up until 11 that they never truly attained what they were trying to attain there in a land. They never fully received it. And the Bible says in Hebrews, it's because they were looking for a heavenly, everybody say a heavenly homeland. There was a promise beyond the natural land. So when I read, though, that's exciting for me because when I read my Bible, and when I read about David and Goliath and Israel and what was going on, the struggle in this land, and then I look at the New Testament that Jesus said, I'm going to set up my temple in you and the tabernacle in you and the showbread in you and you're the lampstand and all the pieces of what he was building in the temple in this land, this mystery land Israel is inside of us, writing the law in our hearts. We have the oil within, etc., that's exciting for me because now I can take an Old Testament story that was real and really happened. And, there, and Israel is part of history, and you can watch it unfold right now. But I can take that story, and I can apply it to my life in the same way that they lived it out in a spiritual way. Amen. Do we get that? All of this happens in our hearts and I want you to get this, Goliath wants to enslave you. Goliath will try to taunt you daily. Now, you may not have known his name was Goliath, but who is taunted daily? You have to understand, because it's not Goliath. Just like I represent my God, who represents their God? Who hopes that when you speak, it's not you, but it's God? That's our cry. Well, when Goliath spoke, he didn't speak. He was representing his God. You understand that? The dragon God. You do the research, and his God was the dragon. When he was speaking, he was representing the dragon. The dragon comes to taunt you. Satan, the serpent, the same serpent of old, he is coming to taunt. He wants to taunt. He wants to threaten you, and he wants to condemn you, and he wants to try to get you to fight him. That's what he said. The taunt was, come out and fight me. You know, David didn't fight him. David didn't fight him. You guys see any fighting going on? Come out and fight me. Whoever wins can have the kingdom. We'll serve you. I win. You win. We'll decide who's going to serve who. He wanted to try to get you to fight man to beast. Man to beast. But the place he is taunting from, he has no right to control. Do you understand that where he stood and where he taunted, he had no authority to stand there? He had no rights to be standing where he stood. Do you realize the issues that come up in our life, where the enemy comes to try to control areas in your life, you realize he has no right to do that. <clears throat> now, some people don't like, may not like what I'm about to say, because it's hard, because you're like, you don't understand, you don't know what I'm going through. But the devil is only there because you've allowed him. I know that that's hard to hear, because you're like, what? I'm, I don't want this. If you don't want it, then it's time that we stop cowling in fear and letting him rule. It's time that we stand up. We take the authority that we have in Jesus Christ, and we tell that thing to go. Amen. If you really don't want it there, 
then you tell those lies, you tell that depression, you tell that sin, you are not going to control my life any longer. Amen. I think Christianity has gotten off on this sideline. We're all wrapped up in when salvation began and when does it end and how do we attain it and, and hanging at the cross and, and, and trying to figure all that out because really what we want to do is we're trying to justify st- the ability to still sin or why there's issues in our lives. Instead of just dealing with the issue, instead of arguing about, you know, well, God knows my heart. But instead, standing there and facing the issue like we're, we're supposed to. And calling the thing for what it is. When you stop playing around with the Goliaths and stop letting them stand and point their finger at us and ruling in our lives. It's time that their heads come off. Amen. Who is ready for the enemy to fall on the ground and for you to truly step into the full freedom and peace and joy and hope and life that God purchased for you. Amen. He, the enemy, is standing, I want you to understand this, on holy ground. It was land purchased by God. Your promise was purchased by the blood of Jesus. This is God's turf. And the man David is a picture of two things. One, it is Christ conquering Satan for sure. For sure, it's, a, it's actually, we call these types and shadows in Christianity. Who knows that term, type and shadow? It's where we see an Old Testament story, and it's alluding to something that's going to happen in time, right? One day, the seed of David, Jesus, stood up against the Goliath, Satan, right, on the cross. And ultimately, at the end of time, when he throws him into the lake of fire, right? There is that picture. But more accurately for us, it is a person. Everybody say, it's a person, David was not God. Uh, in fact, David, if you really want to be, you really wanted to nitpick, was even pre-Holy Spirit. My Bible says that the men of old, they craved, they wished that they had what we have. They wished they could have, I'm sorry, what we have. Amen. Right, Dan. That they looked ahead and they, if they could have what we have, that we have the Holy Spirit within us. He was a man. And he shed off the weights of this world. I had a lot of statements I wanted to make. Is that okay from the scripture? Sometimes I plan on saying some things throughout the sermon, and I don't say the things that I believe that the Lord was speaking to us. And I wanted to say all these statements in a row. It's a person who has shed off the weights of this world and its false strength. And David is a person who trusts God. Everybody say, David trusted God. The simplicity of the story is that. The simplicity of the story is it's that simple. It's an incredible feat, but it's really that simple. He just trusted God. Like I say all the time, I say this to myself. Easy to say, hard to do. It's easy to say Christian things. It's hard to live them out, isn't it? Easy to look at your friend, your neighbor, and tell them something Christian, and then to live it out is much harder, isn't it? But we must. Everybody say, we must. We must. We have to. He's a person who trusted God's promises, who knew his God. He knew God's word, 
and he desired freedom from the tyrant who was oppressing him and his people. Amen. Who is desiring freedom from the tyrants? They're not human beings. They represent the tyrant himself. Do you understand that? Even when Jesus dealt with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, do you understand that he wasn't really dealing with them? He said, you're just doing what your father, the devil, wants you to do. He's, he, you're the liars, not because you're liars, but because he was always the liar. It's always been his nature, and you're just representing his nature. Do you realize the things that have come into this time in history, even into this nation, or into your life personally, they are tyrants, and they are taunting, and they have no right to be there. God has delivered us. Amen. It doesn't mean there won't be a battle in between. I want you to get this, because we're going to go on into next week. There are battles, plural, that we must face. David still had to face him, but he didn't need to fight him. He still had to face him, but he didn't need to fight him. He trusted God, and we'll look into all of that. I want you to hear this, though, lastly, and then we're going to take communion together. And I'm excited to get more into this, but we're not going to stay here for six hours. So I'll wrap up there with this. David was not armed properly against such a powerful threat. I want you to hear that again. David was not armed properly against such a powerful threat. And yet, Goliath fell to the ground. He was conquered. And exactly what he said would happen, happened. His head came off. Goliath was bigger. He was stronger. He was heavily armed. And he was trained in war. David was young. He had no armor to the eye, that is. He had only a sling, but he had God, and he knew it. He was confident in his God, and even if he died running across that battlefield, for him it was going to be trusting God. He said this in Psalm 144. He said, verse 1, Praise the Lord who is my rock. He trains my hands for war. God trains my hands. I even see it like he trusted God so much that when he was moving his hands, he knew that God was moving his hands. He knew that I owe, I'm just clay, but my breath in my lungs is his. I am his. He is, we're one, like we've been talking about. He said he gives my fingers skill for battle. See, David knew who God was, even though David is the man who, we're going to look at that. He's the one that releases the stone. He knew it was God who had trained him, God who gave his finger skill. He is my loving ally and my fortress, my tower of safety, my rescuer or deliverer. He is my shield, and I take refuge in him. He makes the nations submit to me. That's why David stood there so confidently. This is what he was out there spending time with God, writing, writing down his heart. The Psalms are his heart, so we know. We don't even have to wonder what was David thinking. We already know what his heart was. He writes about it very openly, over and over again. He said, verse 10, For you grant victory to kings. You grant victory to kings. Where does the victory come from? From God. When a king of the earth wins against another king, 
Come on, who believes your Bible that much? Anybody? You know, there was a struggle for America against England. And then God's way of... Uh, God is miraculous, isn't he? Now we're allies. Now we're friends again. God restored us actually pretty quickly when you look at the timeline of history. But for a little while there, we were enemies. And George Washington said, God, if you don't do it, we're done. He understood this principle that David wrote. He's, and it says, verse 10, you rescued your servant David from the fatal sword. David knew it was God who raises up kings. It's God who grants the victory, and it is God who rescued him. Amen. Amen. Again, I'm excited to look more into this because there is a lot. You can see that there was an issue. We're going to look into how really the Philistines should have been dealt with a long time ago. And to be honest, Goliath should have never been allowed to exist a long time ago. And God promised it, and God told them that this is what's going to happen. The only reason he was still standing there was because of us, not because of God, right? It is not God who has forsaken us. It's not God who has forsaken the earth. Every, my Bible says everything we need, he's already done it. In fact, my Bible says, maybe yours does too, that if Jesus could do more, I mean, I'm going to put it in layman terms, but if there was more that he could do, he would do it. But he's already done it all. Amen.